the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Larry Rosenthal is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and affiliated with Satira. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Well, welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And here he is live in studio, Larry Rosenthal himself. Good morning. Well, good morning, Chris. And how are you today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you. Good to be seen by you. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. And you too, Bob. Well, welcome back, everybody. Good morning. It's Open Mic Saturday. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. I'd like to continue to listen, to welcome our longtime listeners in WAVA. 105.1 FM in the D.C. Baltimore area, as well as our longtime listeners also on Sirius XM, Channel 131, Family Talk Nationwide, as you like to say, Chris. Coast that's to coast. border to border and coast to coast, right? Yep. And everything in the middle. See. There yep. you go. Good deal. Good deal. Well, it is open mic Saturday, which means, hey, give us a ring. No holes barred, no questions barred at all. Give us a call with anything on your mind today. Your 401K plan, your 403B plan, you, should you put money in a Roth or not? Roth conversion, long-term care insurance, estate planning, wills, trust, mortgages, the housing market, the Fed, the new tax bill that was just signed this past week. We'll be going over that and looking at some investment opportunities and well, just some commentary on all of that as well. So give us a call this morning at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Well, this past week we saw more pressures in the economy of the markets coming uh, – of the of inflation pressures coming down. You know, the Home Builders – National Association of Home Builders – Market index actually went into contraction territory this week. It fell from fifty from a fifty five reading in July, and 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 fifty is considered the benchmark of of even basically. So fifty anything above fifty shows expansion. Anything below fifty shows sort of pulling back or contraction. And right now it's sitting at forty nine. So we've seen housing starts drop a little bit. We're going to get some housing numbers next week as well, and we're starting again as a result of of interest rates rising as a result of the Fed wanting to tighten down the economy. We're seeing 
less home starts. We're seeing more people actually have walked away from deals where they put down earnest money. So we're starting to see prices drop in certain parts of the country. You know, there are there are certain parts that are that that prices are still rising. So we are basically starting to see the cracks in it now. Does the, does that bring in the question? And it does because you know you listen to the media sometimes, and they're talking about okay, the housing market doom and gloom, two thousand and eight all over again. No, not at all. Okay, uh, not at all. We are still under inventory on houses, and we still have a lot of demand for houses. You take a look at the millennial generation; it's it's larger in population than the baby boom generation, and right now they're twenty seven to thirty four, thirty five years old. They need housing, and we have low inventory. So there's still going to be demand out there. The difference is simply this, okay? With, with higher interest rates, mm-hmm. you, you, go get a, you go buy a new house, and instead of a three-car garage, you're going to get a two-car garage. That's basically the difference in the interest rate movement upward. Now, a, a good friend of mine who's a, a mortgage lender, he told me, he said, listen, you're married to the house, but you're only dating the interest rate. And there's a lot of truth to that because at some point down the road, even if you purchased a home today at, let's say, a higher rate, let's say it's 5% to do an illustration easy, you know, at some point down the road, rates will drop and you'll have an opportunity probably to refinance it at a 4% rate. Okay, so so you're married to the house, not to the rate. Well, just look that, at the last few years, right? We've we've I've personally refinanced a few times just to get that better interest rate. You know, that's correct. But the question becomes this, Chris: Are we going to be able to get rates back down in the upper twos, low threes again? <laughs> I don't know. That's why that I'm, might that I might, might not be, be dating that interest rate. I'm going to hold on to that one. Maybe I'll marry that one. Exactly. That might be a harder a harder task than, than yeah. simply some just market movement adjustments down the road. You know, you take a look at the at the dot plot here of the Fed and you take a look at where interest rates, you know, p- people have have made made extremely bad calls year in and year out on interest rates. Nobody can predict interest rates mm-hmm. on how they're going to move, okay? Mm-hmm. But but it does look like at some point inflation's going to continue to come down. But are we going to get inflation at that, you know, that Goldilocks number of, of, of 2% target? You know, probably not for some time to come. We still have some supply chain issues, which are getting better, by the way, okay? And we still have energy, ish, uh, energy policies, and we still have just different things that are adding to the inflation pressure. Wages, uh, low so unemployment. Political stuff, right? Yeah, well, there, there's that, too, as well, yeah, but but we have a very strong economy. As a matter of fact, when you take a look here in breaking down the financial news this past week, um, you know, the, the, Fed, the Fed released its minutes, okay, from July, and so everybody's looking at every single word, as we should and as we do, we read it. We, we parse it. We, we look at it. What does it mean? What was the change from the prior month and all that kind of stuff in, in just words and just in definitions of things that they're saying. And, and the Fed basically said, look, you know, we're, we're going to continue to monitor data and make policy changes accordingly. So, so they didn't say, hey, we're going to come out and, and, and definitely do this, this, and this. They have targets. But those targets are sort of soft targets from the standpoint of saying, you know, they're not going to no matter what, this is what we're doing. No, no matter what, what they're doing is looking at data each, each and every month that it comes out. Now, the problem is that all the data that comes out is rear-facing. It's looking at data in your rearview mirror trying to anticipate down the road. 
So if you think about it, if the Fed raises rates in September, which they most likely will, okay, uh, they're, 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 they're meeting in September, then every time they, they make an adjustment to interest rate, to monetary policy, it takes a handful of months, five, six months for that to impact the economy. So there is talk, there was release in the Fed minutes this past week that Fed officials are saying we still need to continue to raise rates to beat down inflation, but at the same time, we want to be cautious that we don't over-tighten the economy and stall it too much. So the Fed is sitting there in sort of a conundrum going, you know, well, golly gee, how, do, how, how tight do we make them, and can we produce a soft landing? And that's what the thing that that's what the goal is here, and that's what you hear so many times in the past. Oh, the Fed can't produce a soft landing, and blah blah blah. Well, you know, this is kind of a different Fed right now than we've had back in the '90s and early 2000s and all that stuff. And they're very aware of their mandates, which is maximum employment and price stability. Obviously, price stability needs to cut under control right now. But if you just kill off inflation so bad that you hurt growth then you start getting unemployment problems, okay? Employers start laying people off. So they're trying to balance that, walk that tight line. So bottom line is this, is that the second week in September, we're going to receive the August inflation numbers. And then right after that, the Fed's going to meet again, okay? And then we're also going to start, uh, uh, we'll, we'll be winding down corporate earnings for the third quarter and cranking them back up in the beginning of October. So this cycle is just going to keep competing so, uh, or, or repeating. So we have a handful of more what I would call events that are going to be coming up that are going to be extremely uh, important to the market reaction. And that is what's happening with inflation and what is the Fed saying about it? Now, the Fed doesn't, doesn't meet this, this month in, in August, but they are meeting next week at the Jackson Hole uh, Economic Summit. Will Powell tip his hand? Will Powell say something next week? We'll have to see. We, we, we just don't know. But, but, you know, at this particular point, expect to see more volatility. Expect to see the markets go up and down. July and the first part of August had a tremendous rebound back. And there's people out there now talking about, hey, look, this is this is a bear market bounce. Okay, we're going to go back down. We could test the lows again. And other people are saying, hold on a second. I don't see that right now because look at the data that's coming in. Maybe we get a little bit of volatility. But at the end of the day, make sure your portfolios are positioned in such a way that that if you're in an income need right now, they're delivering income for you. If you're in a growth need right now, wow, take advantage of these prices and try and buy more if you can, or look to rebalance as the markets come back up. Look to rebalance into what we would call the next stage of the economy. You know, at some point here, the Fed is going to pause. And what I mean by that is right now we're in a rising rate interest rate environment, a rising cycle, tightening cycle. At some point, the Fed's going to say, we're going to hold it there right now. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pause. We're not going to raise anymore, okay? And then we're going to move into a new market, a new stock market, a new business cycle at that particular point in time. So everybody's trying to guess, well, when's the Fed going to do that? Oh, they're going to do it in September. Oh, no, they're going to do it in November. Oh, no, they're going to do it in February. Guess what? They're going to do it. I just can't tell you when they're going to do it. Nobody but knows. But when they do it, that's going to say, hey, there's a new monetary stance right now going to have to rebalance some positions and get ready for the next stage of this cycle okay so so this is this is a healing process it's going to it's going to work its way through we've been here before done that before 
Okay, stick to your game plan. Make sure you have a good, solid understanding of your financial plan because it's about your financial plan. I had a conversation with somebody not too long ago. They were saying, oh, the market's this and the market's that and the market over here and this market and that segment and that sector and everything. And I said, well, how does all that relate to your financial plan? And they were like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, in good times, did you look at the markets compared to the financial plan? No, I just looked at the markets. Okay, so in bad times, what are you looking at? Oh, I'm just looking at the markets and my account balance. No. The, you know, Chris, over the next 35 years of your life, Lord willing, the markets are going to do two things. This I can guarantee, right? Up they're going to go up and they're going to go down. And yeah. they're going to go up and they're going to go down. And they're going to go up, right? The markets are going to go up and down over time, right? And so you have to position your financial plan accordingly to your time frame, not the markets. The stock market doesn't care about your time frame, Chris. Mm -hmm. so, so you have to make sure that your financial plan is, is delivering to you the income that you need in a tax-efficient manner based off of what's going on in your time frame, not necessarily what the markets are in good or bad markets. And there's ways you can stress test the markets, too, your, your financial plan, too. Run that financial plan out at a 4% interest rate or a 6% rate of return or 4% inflation rate, excuse me, 6% rate of return, high taxes, stress it out, you know, make it hard to accomplish. So it's, a, it's about your financial plan. It's not about competing with the markets. You're competing with your financial plan. Well, it's also about riding that roller coaster, right? You have to ride it and not get scared about, about the times that uh, the market goes down. Correct. That, that's exactly correct. I wish I could show everybody this graph that we have in our office here on, on the radio. As a matter of fact, I will be showing it here pretty soon in a webinar that we're going to have coming up. We're going to announce that next week. But we're going to have some webinars starting again. We like to take Ju July and August off, but we're going to be having webinars coming up uh, starting in September. And when you, when you take a look at our stock market, you know, not just this market today, but all the markets, all the way back. Go go back to the to the 80s, the 70s, the 60s. Pick pick any decade you want, all the way through 1926 to now. We have a market of extremes. Okay, the market can shoot up 25 percent. Uh, you know, in, in, in the middle of a year and then drop back down to positive 3% in the middle of the year, go negative 15 in the middle of the year, and ultimately close up 7% for the year. So the market, ha mar the market is a market of extremes. It goes extremes high, extreme lows. And in order to get the average, you have to stay invested. When you look at the average, you have to stay invested. If you market time, that's a losing proposition. You know, we, we've talked about this before. If you if you miss the best 10 days in a in a 10-year period of time, your rate of return gets cut way, way down substantially. So anyway, so that's the deal. You know, next week, stay tuned to see how, the, how, how uh, uh, more information comes out in housing, unemployment, and things like that. Uh, I do want to uh, take a quick break here. Let's open up the phone lines, Chris, and uh, let's invite some calls in here this morning. Well, when we come back, we're going to be talking about the new tax bill or the new um, uh, Inflation Reduction Act uh, that President Biden just signed this past week here. So give us a ring this morning. It's open mic Saturday. Any questions at all on anything, give us a call at 855-ROSE-123, 855-ROSE-123, or 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment.
You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. You can go over the edge with Helping Haitian Angels. Register now to be a part of Over the Edge on Saturday, August 27th at the Hyatt Regency Tyson's Corner Center in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. If you tend to be more active, register to repel 14 stories down the side of the Hyatt Regency Tyson's Corner Center, just like Making Money Sense host Larry Rosenthal. If you lean more toward the couch potato type like, well, me... You can donate to Larry's fundraising effort to raise funds to help solve Haiti's child abandonment crisis by providing family-style loving care and equip a new generation of future leaders. For more information about the Over the Edge event on Saturday, August 27th at the Hyatt Regency Tyson's Corner Center in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, go to helpinghaitianangels.org. That's helpinghaitianangels.org. seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and the Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Well, you know, we've got some exciting things to talk about when we hear about you repelling off the side of a building there, Larry. What's yes, about? sir, we do. Next Saturday, I'm going to do the show and then step right out and repel. Oh, that, that well, yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. <laughs> it will, it will. So we did this last year. I, I serve on the board of trustees for HelpingHaitianAngels.org, um, and uh, we're building a new school building. So we're raising money, and one of the ways that we're doing it is we're getting people to sponsor us. So if you're interested in, in helping out, you can go to HelpingHaitianAngels.org and uh, click on Donate to a Repeller, and, and yours truly will be right there. And you can just click on the little link and, and make a donation. It's all tax deductible. And uh, the one disappointing thing, though, this year is Bob's not going to be there to repel. <laughs> so, you know, Come on, Bob. We, we thought that he would be going face down, running down the side of the building. Oh, you like those towel, Special Forces towel, dudes, towel, right? Special Forces do it. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Wow. But, um, uh, you know. We'll, we'll just have to wait till next year. Next year, next we'll definitely time. have a spot for Bob. The golden rope of Bob, he can he can repel <laughs> down that rope next year. So, uh, but check it out. You know, love your support. I know last year we had a lot of lot of listeners uh, make some donations. So again, it's helpinghaitianangels.org. Click on donate to a repeller, and uh, uh, I'll be right there. My link will be right there. You can you can help support. So appreciate any support that that you want that you awesome. want to lend. So. Um, hey, also, you know, let's let's just jump into this, Chris, and talk about you know the the Inflation Reduction Act, right? Whenever Congress makes changes or passes an act or, or changes taxes around or, or does something like that, a lot of times there's investment opportunity, and a lot of times there's things that you want to move away from too. And 
So, you know, all everybody's out there talking about, well, there's there's no growth in this bill. Where's the growth? It's just going to raise taxes. What about the new IRS agents, you know, and and all this? So let's just break this down a little bit and take a look at it and sort of aim it back towards your investing, your financial planning, your estate planning and things of that nature. You know, it's a big bill, obviously, um, you know, seven hundred thirty seven billion dollars they're, they're looking to raise. And so we've got this thing broken out into different sectors, you know, uh, sectors in the investment world that's going to affect healthcare, technology, and energy, and a few more. You know, and when you take a look at, at some of the, the, the bill was aimed at, at climate, okay, uh, there's, there's $369 billion in energy security and climate change investments. Uh, it, 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 you know, with with the hopes of reducing carbon emissions by roughly 40 percent by 2030, which is, you know, just right around the corner, uh, you know. Um, so how does that play out into investments? We'll talk about that in a moment. The details range from from anywhere from clean energy credits, uh, such as nine billion dollars total uh, available in home energy rebate programs and tax credits up to seventy five hundred dollars for a zero emissions automobile. Uh, applying to cars that cost mm. less than eighty thousand dollars, so I guess some of the the uh, battery operated cars are, are more than that, right? Oh yeah. Uh, so some so of the we'll Teslas are really how, expensive. Yeah. Yep. We'll have to see how that that plays out as well. Uh, so there's some investing uh, implications in terms of both tax credits and fossil fuel companies, producers of nuclear energy, hydrogen energy, clean source biofuels, carbon uh, capture technologies. Rooftop solars, heat pumps, uh, small wind energy companies, things like that. And, and there's incentives, incentives for sourcing domestically manufactured steel, iron, wow. and, other, and other components. So, you know, take a look at the, the energy sector, and you're going to have to start dividing it out into what we would call, you know, innovative, innovative tech energy versus uh, traditional energy. Uh, you know, in, in ETFs or, or in individual stocks, but, but there's opportunity when you get government behind this in, in certain sectors to, to, to be investing in. Um, you know, Larry, I was just, just hearing that, you know, the, the IR, just to tell you something I heard today, the other day, uh, how many IRS agents does it take to screw in a, a light bulb? I have no idea. Well, we don't know for sure, but we're going to need more light bulbs. That's all I know. <laughs> we are. We definitely are. We'll go over that, too. You yeah. know, uh, Janet Yellen was talking about four things that that uh, she wants the IRS to step up and do. We'll get into that in, in part of this as, as well. Uh, you know, and, and looking at the, the health care sector, uh, the, the new law talks about uh, uh, Medicare be, being mandated to negotiate drug prices and and um, um, the implications uh, appear on, on the 10 high-cost drugs, uh, and it's going to start in 2026, uh, ramping up to, to 20 drugs by 2029. So the, the, the drug makers are going to have to negotiate this. Uh, there could be a tax penalty up to 95%. Uh, so we'll see how this plays out over the next uh, uh, handful of years. But there's a period, there's an elimination period where the drug has to be available for nine years before they start um, uh, negotiating, and some of the biologic drugs have, have even a 13-year period of time uh, in the marketplace before they can do that as well. So not so much um, specifics as far as investing opportunity 
uh, in the healthcare sector as a result of this bill. Uh, I've said this many, many years over, over, the, over the airway, both on, on television and on the radio show and in my webinars and seminars, you know. The healthcare sector, you know, it's divided up into some different areas, you know, um, providers, um, pharmaceutical, you know, biotech, things like that. So, so stop and ask the question to yourself here. And this bill does not change the answer to this question. As a human race, are we done innovating our health care? Are yeah, we done no with medical research and development? Mm -mm. Okay, and the answer is no, we're not. We're continuing to push forward into science to continue to make lives better, better medicines, better uh, surgical procedures, better parts, right? Hips, knees, shoulders, whatever it may be, right? As far as all that goes. So, so be thinking about healthcare in that frame, in that frame, innovative healthcare, innovative tech, bioinformatics, things of that nature right there. This bill doesn't do a whole lot to, to stimulate all, all that area, but it's still an area that we want to continue to, to, to just own during good times and, and, and in bad times. It's because of the innovation uh, that, that, that things are happening down the road. You know, we How all do know you shop that, for something like that when you're looking to pardon do me? How do you shop for something like that when you're looking to put that into your portfolio? You, shop, you, you do screening tests and you do research and you do some more research and then a little bit more research on it, <laughs> okay. Chris, as okay. far as what's, what specific stocks, individual stocks that you want to go after in that space. Mm -hmm. Or you can buy you know, a biotech ETF that just looks in that. So, so you have to be careful when you're looking at this. You know, there's, there are funds out there that are called healthcare funds that have some biotech in it and some not biotech in it. Mm -hmm. And then there are places out there that are, that are just strictly biotech and they don't have the diversification of other sectors of the healthcare pie. So it depends really on what you're looking at. So you want to really be able to sort of, you know, break down, dissect, look at the asset allocation makeup of it. Do they have mutual funds that are that way too? So you could kind of maybe trust the uh, whoever's running that fund. Yes, to, to exactly. Do a research? They have they have uh, index funds and actively managed funds at the same time okay. that will enable you to to uh, you know. Uh, not have to do the research yourself, right? You don't have to do all that research if they're doing it, if you trust it. Well, their... that's correct. You know, when you when you look at 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 active management versus passive management, okay. In, in a mutual fund, an, an active uh, management fund is, is a team of money managers, and they're constantly researching, and they'll do buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell all year long for you to meet the objective of the mutual fund. Hopefully that objective is the same objective you have, whereas if you look at just getting an index, whether it's a mutual fund or an ETF, you're buying the entire index, whether it's, it's cap-weighted, in other words, the largest stocks in that index get the most money or if it's equally weighted across the index whatever it may be you know so so there in times of volatility in times of new drug rules or laws that come out you probably want to lean more towards active management you know over over the years we've always had healthcare in our portfolios and i have moved back and forth between indexing and active management just depending on it you know if you take a look a handful of years ago biosimilars came out you know biosimilars are you familiar with that a lot of people aren't familiar no, with I that no i don't i don't know what that is basically biosimilars are this you know if you take a pill that's going to cure you know whatever okay uh, acne or whatever it may be right you take a, a pill Right now, that pill has a makeup of 100% of the components, but a biosimilar says, well, this, this pill is less expensive, and it's going to work on about 
I don't know, 92% of all the people that take it because it only has 85% of the compound made up. Oh, but it's cheaper, so it's a biosimilar. So there are companies that come out, and I don't know all the rules and regulations with that, but when that came out, you want to go ahead and say, hey, you know what, look, maybe we should get away from indexing for a while and get back to active management and have these, uh, a team picking these individual stocks there. Mm -hmm. So there's times for all of that. There's times for indexing, time for active management, just like back to your question here on this, on this healthcare sector far as that goes you know getting back to 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 the bill here taxes you know there's there's some new tax laws that are imposed on corporations corporations that that have a three-year average adjusted book income of over a billion dollars and foreign corporations with an average income of over a hundred million dollars so it's going to be a 15 percent minimum corporate tax rate for these types of companies that fall into this and it also uh, it, it, it's it's just interesting to see that uh, there, there's also uh, one of the things that did not get signed into this was the was the carried interest rule, which got pushed out. But now there's a um, uh, a one percent stock buyback tax on companies that are that are buying back their stocks uh, after, for repurchases after December thirty first, twenty twenty two. Uh, hey, if you've got questions on this bill, how it's going to affect you, or want to make some comments, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. And we'll take a quick break here, but I just want to finish this because I think that this that this 1% tax on stock buybacks could actually change some things with companies. You know, one of the ways companies, publicly traded companies, Chris, want to deliver value back to their shareholders. And they do it through stock growth. They do it through dividends. They do it through, you know, just, just things like that. They want to return revenue back to their shareholders, right? That's what they want to do. And when a company looks and says, hey, we're doing pretty good in our, in our industry right now. Let's go buy some of our own stock back and support the price and raise the price up, right? That's a way to pay things back to our, our, our shareholders. Now, as a result of this tax, it, it may not add that much, but it could, okay, depending on how much the company's doing. But now you may see an increase in dividends. Instead of doing stock buybacks, you may see companies kick out dividends more to, to, to shift around. So it's going to be interesting to sort of see if this legislation actually changes, you know, company A going from a 2.1% dividend to a 3.1% a dividend instead of paying a 1% tax on a stock buyback that they want to do. So we'll have to wait and see how that one really plays out there. So, you know, bottom line here is there's, there's uh, arguably not a lot of growth incentive uh, with, with this. Uh, there are certain sectors that are benefiting, like I did mention, and we'll have to wait and see how it plays out as far as the, the name, you know, going inflation reduction, uh, act well we'll we'll wait and we'll see about that i'll hold my my uh thoughts on that but there's a lot of people that have come out that are a lot smarter than me that says eh, i don't Not know so about much, that maybe right exactly yeah. and yeah. and so uh we'll take a quick break here and keep these phone lines open here give us a ring at 855 rose 123 855-767-3123 you're listening to making money sense larry rosenthal show you can also check us out on youtube right now we're live streaming the show larry rosenthal.tv you can see bob's Smiling face there in the window. Larry Rosenthal.tv. So give us a ring. We'll be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense.
listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Former Washington football coach Joe Gibbs founded Youth for Tomorrow more than 35 years ago. Since that time, Youth for Tomorrow has helped heal over 22,000 people of behavioral and mental illness and allowed them to become normal members of our society. How is that possible? Through your generous donations. They help keep Youth for Tomorrow operating 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days per year. Youth for Tomorrow is facing some real challenges. The COVID-19 pandemic has increased the need for their services while continuing to rely on you to meet their financial needs. To learn more about Youth for Tomorrow and to learn how you can help, go to youthfortomorrow.org. They are foster care services, residential programs, and counseling services depend on you. Start helping by going to youthfortomorrow.org. You've seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123 is the phone number to call. That's 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal, who is live here in studio with us here today. Larry. Sure. What's not in the bill, Chris, is the elimination of the backdoor Roth strategy. Oh. Which a lot of people thought would be, would be which is not in the bill. That is okay? good. That is good and news. And that is for income earners that make more, whether they're single or married, filing jointly, Income earners that that exceed those income limits, you're not allowed to contribute to a Roth IRA, but you are allowed to contribute to a traditional IRA and not write it off on your taxes and then convert it. So high income earners just have to take two steps to do it. That is still viable out there. So for many, many people who have been waiting and waiting to see how this bill plays out and haven't done their backdoor Roth strategy, now, you know, you got to the end of the year pretty wow. much. So, well, you got to the April of next year to, to do it for this year. Also, no changes in the SALT tax um, and, and things like that. So so there were some things that, that stayed in the bill that are, are actually good for investors. Let's welcome Casey on the line from the district. Good morning, Casey. How are you this morning? Good morning. I'm fine. Thank you. How can I help you today? Uh, yes, I have a question about conversion, uh, Roth conversion. I'm, I'm in the government. Um, with approximately uh, half a million in my TSP, and I would like to um, could you kind of give a scenario as to what steps you would take to convert um, my TSP to uh, a Roth conversion? Are you still working in, in 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 the government right now, or are you retired? I am still working. I will uh, anticipate retiring uh, in the next one to two years. So a couple of things here is first thing that I would do is say, let's take a look at what your tax bracket is today, Casey, versus what your estimated tax bracket's going to be in one to two years when you retire. 
because when you make the conversion from the pre-tax TSP to the post-tax Roth TSP, that's a taxable event to you. For example, let's suppose today you're in a 28% federal tax bracket. But if you retire, you might be in a 22% tax bracket. Then I would tell you, let's wait one to two years because you'll save 6% on your taxes when you convert. Does that make sense? Oh, you still there, Casey? Yes, I am. So so do you follow that right there, the first thing? Yes. Then, then the second thing is now we need to ask the TSP, can I convert all of it? And the answer is yes. And if you said you have half a million dollars, then you're looking at dropping half a million dollars of taxable income into your lap. And that's probably going to push you into <laughs> – it definitely will push you into the highest tax bracket out there. So what you want to do is series of little conversions each year, okay? So we need to ask the TSP, hey, can I convert a portion of this? For example, let's suppose you are in that 28% tax bracket and you've got $15,000 more of income room before you get to the next tax bracket. Maybe you just want to convert 15000 this year and then 15000 next year. So you stay, you don't, you don't get into that tax bracket creep, right? But ultimately what happens a lot of times is people will uh, most of the time wait till they retire uh, in hopes that they are in a lower tax bracket and then do series of little conversions each year. You know, if you convert $10,000 a year, well, in, in 10 years, you know, you, you've got $100,000 sitting in the Roth IRA plus the earnings that can come out tax-free in income distributions or, you know, with the five-year rule in place and to your heirs at your passing. So the answer to your question is, yes, you can go to the TSP and convert it, but I would suggest let's take a look at the tax scenario first before we do that and then find out if the TSP allows you to make series of little conversions, you know, just convert a piece of it each year. And I'm drawing a blank on that right now, but I can get, get your information from you and then I can give you a ring next. We have one of our advisors give you a ring next week to let you know if the TSP allows you to convert pieces of it each year or if you're forced to convert all of it, okay? Okay. And so that five-year um, period uh, of having to wait, can you – how does that um, – is that a regulation? How does that five-year period – Yeah, it's a law. So here's, here's how it works, Casey, is when you make a conversion, okay – the earnings on that converted money has to sit there and grow for five years before you can pull that out. The converted principal you can pull out because you've paid tax on it, okay? But the earnings has to do that. So think about it this year. If you convert $10,000 just to do math easy in 2022 and then 10000 in 2023 and 2024, so forth and so on, you have little buckets of years that are carrying this five-year clock before you start withdrawing money out of that, okay? And there's a formula. If you have it all in one IRA, which you probably should, there's a formula for, for income disbursement that you would, you, would, you would do. And you keep track of it on the spreadsheet, and you keep track of it on your tax return. So when, when our clients convert, a lot of them do series of little conversions each year because that's the best way to go about doing it in most cases. We carry a spreadsheet with them, and it just the spreadsheet just tracks each and every year for them. That way you're, you're keeping track of it all. 
so you're not paying an unnecessary tax great. somewhere down the road. Okay, great. So there, there's a great opportunity to deliver tax-free income for yourself in retirement years and to pass assets on to your heirs tax-free, but we've got to understand how to cross the road, you know, understand the rules of engagement. Once we understand that and we can sit down and build out a plan for it, then it'll work out well. But you just don't want to run into it haphazardly. You could end up paying just unnecessary taxes. You, you don't want to do that. Casey, I'll put you on hold, and we'll have Bob pick up a second and get your contact information, and we'll have one of our advisors give you a ring next week and give you the details on the TSP conversion scenario for you and see which way is best for you, okay? Okay, great. Thank you. Appreciate the phone call. You listen to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You know, we're talking a lot about money and taxes and things this year with this new uh, Inflation Reduction Act and stuff of that nature, you know, but let's keep it real here for a second and let's understand where our focus needs to be and who's in charge of things, right? In, 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 uh, in the Bible, in, 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 uh, in the Gospels here in Mark, chapter 4, verse 19, it says, But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And and that's talking about, you know, where where uh, Jesus was using the parable of of uh, the seed being scattered on the ground. You know, who's going to take root and grow right and produce fruit, good fruits for for the Lord's kingdom. And and a lot of times we get caught up into this worldly thing with money. You know, look at the stock market action right now. Look at the 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 headline news and things of that nature. Everybody's caught up into these worldly things and we need to bring it all back and focus on the Lord. On Jesus, that's that's what we need to do uh, with 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 our money, with everything uh, in life, as far as that goes. And Chris, you brought up you know the IRS funding for the IRS. There is new funding for the IRS in this bill, and yeah. uh, Janet Yellen came out and they're they're talking about uh, eighty seven thousand new IRS uh, agents. I spoke with my CPA the other day about it, and he's uh, <laughs> anyway. He thinks there's going to be a lot of audits, but we'll we'll wait and see. Hopefully not. But but uh, Janet Yellen outlined four top priorities for close to the eighty billion dollars of new IRS funding that is put into this bill. Yeah, you know, and I was telling of, Dina, I was telling Dina last week with that many IRS agents, maybe sometime now we'll be able to get somebody on the phone when we call the IRS. What do you think? Possibly, yeah, right. yeah, possibly. You know, but but uh, you know. He, Let's put this in perspective too. We, we 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 live in the greatest country in the world, and 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 you know to make the country function, we've got to pay some tax, right? Sure, of course. But we also want to make sure that that tax that we're paying is going to things that that we support. But that doesn't happen all the time, right? Yeah. But at the same time, we 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 want to make sure that we don't overpay the tax as well, right? And right. so, the first thing that that uh, Miss Yellen talked about was they want to clear the backlog of of uh, returns. There's a lot of turn returns that are still piled up. Uh, there's about 9 million uh, unprocessed individual returns from 2021 that are backlogged. So she wants to clear all that out. Uh, she wants to improve customer service. Um, while the agency only answers 11% of the calls during 2021, she wants to, to your point, yeah. be able to answer more phone calls. Yeah. Uh, she wants to add new technology with with some of the new funding money which is you know probably a good thing i guess and then hire new employees to replace retired uh workers as well so she also did say that she shall not uh shall, none of this is going to be used to increase the share of small business 
or households below $400,000 threshold that are audited relative to historical levels, she wrote. We'll see how this plays out, you know, with it, it does all. does seem like a, such a big number, though, doesn't it, to you? 87000 Maybe that's Maybe that's necessary, but it just seems like it's a big number to me. There's a lot it, of people. It, I, I guess, yeah. you know. Hard I mean, to say. We don't know. You know, you know look, at, at the end of the day, uh, the, the, the Internal Revenue Code is there to fund the, the government, right? And the first two-thirds of it explains how they're going to tax us. And the last third of it, Chris, explains how we could minimize those taxes legally. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to what we talk about here on this show, investment strategies, it still doesn't change. The IRS still looks at our money through four different tax lenses, right, right. basic blocking and tackling. You've got pre-tax retirement plans. You've got Roth plans, uh, tax-exempt municipal intre- uh, interest uh, yields. You've got non-qualified accounts where you pay taxes each year on dividends and capital gains. You've got tax-deferred accounts. You've got deferred annuities. I mean, it's all – it's the, still the same four buckets, the same four lenses – Taxes, if you think about a scale, okay, and here's the deal, and I've seen this happen for the last 25 years here, the taxes, if, if you think about a scale, you know, you, you, got, you got a graph, bottom left corner is zero, and then it goes up, one, two, three, four, right? So, so you're going up, 10 is the highest. If, if taxes were at a zero level, the government couldn't function, right? If, if taxes... So, so there's a minimum amount of tax that we have to pay. Let's call it two on that scale. Let's call it three on that scale, right? So, so sometimes taxes are very, very low. In the past, we have had tax rates. We have actually had our highest marginal tax rate in this country at 94% at one particular point in time. That's too high. So, so tax rates are going to continue to move on that scale between a three and an eight. They're going to go up some years, and some years they're going to come down. But they're never going to drop below that three, the minimum required, and they're never going to go above the eight because there'll be, you know, people say, oh, I'm not going to work Thursday and Friday. Why should I go to work Thursday and Friday? Because that's all going to the IRS, right? So, so if you stop and think about it, what will happen, over, again, over the next 35 years of your life, is we will see taxes go up, and we will see them come down, and we will see them go up, and we will see them come down again, and that's just what's going to happen, and that gives you the ability. That's why I say that that I like money on both sides of the tax ledger, of the pre-tax side and the post-tax Roth side. Again, you know, a lot of advisors say, oh, no, put all your money pre-tax, and a lot of advisors say, nope, put it all post-tax on the Roth side. I like money on both sides. I recognize the, the tax deduction you get today for the pre-tax contributions. They can't take that away from you. You just got it, right? But I also like the idea of tax-free income in, in down the road in retirement years. So think about this for a second. Let's suppose you get into retirement years, and for whatever reason, that particular administration raises taxes. Suppose you're sitting there in a 22% bracket, and you find yourself in a 32% bracket in retirement. Now you want to look to harvest some of your retirement income from the Roth side because that's tax-free to you. On the other hand, suppose you're sitting there in a 33% tax bracket and you move into retirement and you're in a 20% tax bracket because they lower tax taxes during your, your retirement years for some reason. Now you want to start taking money from the pre-tax side. 
Think about that. You probably put the money in in a 33% bracket, got a deduction, and now you're pulling it out in a 20% bracket. You're winning on the tax arbitrage. So, so it's the same scenario all the way through. The taxes will go up and down, and you've got to make sure that your tax allocation strategies are, are in proper place. That's one of the things we do when we sit down with clients is we take a look at their taxes, and, and a lot of it is, is when it comes to the investments and the income and the growth and things like that in the three phases of financial planning, which is accumulation and distribution and legacy planning, passing assets on. It's amazing in how a lot of times things are very tax inefficient, and, and we want to clean up those efficiencies there. So, hey, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. I've been talking and talking all kinds of stuff today on, on, on the, uh, yeah, on the stuff, air. I haven't had much of a chance for you all to jump in here. I just keep talking and talking. Bob's laughing at me, but that's okay. <laughs> give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. It's open mic Saturday. Anything on your mind at all? 855-ROSE-123. 855-767-3123. Check us out on YouTube, LarryRosenthal.tv as well. We'll be back in a moment with more. Making money sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. We've all heard the more risk you get, the more opportunity there is for growth in returns in your investments. However, can you have too much risk in your investments so that you get diminishing returns? You can only water ski behind one boat at a time. Make sure your risk-adjusted return is aligned with your investment objectives. You can go over the edge with Helping Haitian Angels. Register now to be a part of Over the Edge on Saturday, August 27th at the Hyatt Regency Tyson's Corner Center in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. If you tend to be more active, register to repel 14 stories down the side of the Hyatt Regency Tyson's Corner Center, just like Making Money Sense host Larry Rosenthal. If you lean more toward the couch potato type like, well, me... You can donate to Larry's fundraising effort to raise funds to help solve Haiti's child abandonment crisis by providing family-style loving care and equip a new generation of future leaders. For more information about the Over the Edge event on Saturday, August 27th at the Hyatt Regency Tyson's Corner Center in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, go to helpinghaitianangels.org. That's helpinghaitianangels.org. seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. And there are closing minutes here. Make sure you give us a call with any questions you have, 855-767-3123. And next week's going to be exciting. You go ahead and go over the edge there. Larry. We are. Yep, we are going to go over the edge. I go over and the edge every week, but it's usually in the mental side of things. Not Chris, on the... you're living on the edge. Man. You live on <laughs> a razor's on edge. edge, I tell you. 
I tell you. It's Amen. all good, though. Yeah, it's yeah. all good. Hey, so one of the things that I also wanted to talk about today was sort of, yeah, Social Security timing. We, we put it out on our blog this past week that I'd be covering uh, uh, some, some subjects on it. And it's also on our website, too. If you go to LarryRosenthal.com or RosenthalWealthManagement.com, you'll see our, our radio subjects here today. Um, what age should you claim Social Security? <clears throat> That's a question that, that we get all the time. Larry, I'm not working. Should I, should I claim Social Security? You know, I had somebody the other day asking me about that. Well, what should I do? And blah, blah, blah. And we looked at it. And and here's the deal. You know, if you take – if let's suppose your normal retirement age, let's say, is 67, and you're 62, and you're not working, and you take Social Security now, yeah, you get it, but you're going to get less. But the question is, are you going to – if you stop working, are you going to start living on your own savings and investments? And if you start pulling out, let's say, $1,000 a month from your own savings and investments, well, maybe Social Security is going to give you $1,000 a month. Now you get to keep your own principal of your investments. So it makes sense from that particular standpoint. On the other hand, if you're going to work and you make more than about $19,000 a year, you've got to start paying back your Social Security because you are retired earlier. And so, so we have a, a, a program in our office called Social Security. Uh, it's a timing program. When's the best time for you to take it, your spouse to take it, at, at what age, and depending on your income stream. So, you know, do you, do you delay to age 70? Sometimes, yes. Do you take it to at your full retirement age, let's say 65, 66, 67, whatever it is, or do you take it earlier, 62, 63, 64? So a lot of it depends on what your situation is. But I would tell you this, though, that most times, and and most times, okay, it's better for you to take it as soon as you retire because you don't have to spend down some of your own savings and investments in a lot of those scenarios as far as that goes. So if you want information on Social Security timing, just give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123, or go to the website, LarryRosenthal.com, and shoot us off an email. We're not happy to send you out any of that information. Let's welcome Frank on the line from Virginia real quick here. Frank, how can I help you today, sir? Hey, hey, Larry. Uh, Frank McCluskey here. I'm calling from Fairfax Station. Listen, I'm 80 years old. I manage my own uh, IRA, and I know you probably don't want to hear the word market timing, but it seems like even Kiplinger will give you the list of uh, 10 stocks that have gone 50% in the last six months. So they imply that you could get into those and, and make some money. And they're also seems like about 50 market timing newsletters. Would you talk about that and the danger of that and uh, whether we should be in it or not in it or partially in it or dabble in it? Frank, I can tell you this right now. If you take a look at the S&P from 2002 to the end of 2021, I was just reviewing this the other day, this chart. The S&P has done approximately 9.5% during that 20-year period of time. The average investor's done 3.6% because of the gains of market timing in and out. And, and again, we have a market of, of extremes, extreme highs, extreme lows. To get the average, you need to stay invested in a portfolio. That's what we would suggest as far as that goes. But as far as the market timing, I would, I would probably uh, throw a lot of caution as far as all that goes. So appreciate the phone call. Uh, you can catch us next Saturday with Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. If you have any questions during the week with anything we talked about or if you want some information on any subject at all, just contact us at 855-ROSE-123 
more than happy to send it all out to you. And stay tuned next week. We'll be announcing a lot of our webinars that will be coming up. So for Bob in the back and the, our couch potato now and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back next Saturday with another session. The Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.